fait j'ai voulu te, te téléphoner Pour te, te demander Allo quelque chose quoi Okay, and thank you to Zap Mama for Allo Allo. And hello to all of you listening out there, whether on the radio or streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. This is Arts Week, and I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir. This weekend is your last chance to see the legendary Broadway performer Tom Hewitt in Another Medea. That's right here at the Provincetown Theatre. In this retelling of the ancient story, Marcus Sharp is a charismatic and enigmatic New York actor who recounts in gruesome detail how his obsessions with a wealthy doctor named Jason echo the myth of Medea and lead, of course, to horrific events. It's 90 minutes that will keep you enthralled. I'll just add a personal note here. Know the story before you go. On opening night, several people had to clutch their pearls and run for the exits when the children's murders were discussed. It's Medea, for heaven's sake. So check that out. That's times and tickets are at provincetowntheater.org. That's theater with an E-R dot org. And we're coming up on Halloween. Provincetown's Mayflower Trolley is offering haunted trolley tours. Spooky Bear Weekend will soon be in full swing. And tomorrow night at the Red Room, it's the Golden Gaze Musical Show. As always, Provincetown Ghost Tours will take you on a 90-minute walking tour called Pilgrims, Pirates, and People of the Past. (laughs) Advanced tickets are highly recommended, and you can get them at provincetownghosttours.com. And there's a lot going on in Provincetown. But to me, the best Halloween entertainment is right on the street. Get yourself a hot beverage to go and stroll Commercial Street or grab a bench in front of Town Hall. You will not be disappointed. And let's not leave out the kids. On Saturday at 1 p.m. at the Provincetown Public Library, there's a special Halloween story and craft time for children up to five years old and their parents or caregivers. Costumes are optional. And it's not just Provincetown that's celebrating. Travel and Leisure magazine listed Chatham as the fourth in America's best towns for Halloween, citing the Chatham Chamber of Commerce and Merchant Association's Oktoberfest and Pumpkin People in the Park. Pumpkin People in the Park can be found in Kate Good Park and the bandstand on Main Street. The creative and innovative pumpkin people are fashioned by local businesses, organizations, or just plain people. On Saturday, you can dance the night away at the Katuit Center for the Arts annual Arts and Souls Masquerade Ball at 7.30 p.m. This year's theme is Ghost Light Gala, so come dressed as your favorite theatrical character. The evening includes costume contests, a DJ, dancing, and bone-chilling refreshments. Tickets and more information are at artsonthecape.org. On November 4th, for one show only, you can see Susan Lambert's The Couch, a solo musical theater piece chronicling the ups and downs of life in a complex world. That's at Preservation Hall in Wellfleet, also coming up at Prez Hall on Sunday, November 5th at 2.30. It's WMR's own Denya Levine with Denya and the Cape Cod All-Star Femme 14 concert and CD release party. And you can find out m- more about both of those events and more at wellfleetpreservationhall.org. 
can also head out to Brewster to see Cape Rep's one-woman show, Trish LaRose, Come On to My House. Inspired by the brilliance of legendary one-woman shows from the likes of Bette Midler and Cheetah Rivera, Trish LaRose weaves story and song into a show filled with heart, sass, and laughs. Backed by a stellar six-piece band, Trish invites you on a candid, eclectic journey about life as a New Yorker, becoming a mother, and discovering her inherent connection to Puerto Rico goes deeper than she could have imagined. Times and tickets for the show are, as always, at caperep.org. All right, so earlier in the show, I talked about an upcoming show at um, Wellfleet Preservation Hall, and I'm delighted to have Susan Lambert here with me to talk about it. Uh, welcome to Arts Week, Susan. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Jeanette. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Um, I'm happy to be here. It's yeah. a delight. We've, we've been sort of playing with talking with each other for quite a while now, so this is grand. I wanna just tell people briefly something about you. Um, mm -hmm. Susan Lambert has played leading roles, character roles, and roles written for her in musicals, dramas, and comedies, off-Broadway, in stock and regional theater, and on European tours. She has world-premiered roles written for her and developed countless new works in New York City, Boston, and abroad. That's a great beginning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds pretty good. When sounds I, when good, you doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah. So now you are bringing um, the couch to Wellfleet Preservation Hall. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's funny because I, I, I grew up on the Cape um, in summers and weekends, and I spent tons and tons of time here. And actually, I started my sort of uh, performing and artistic life really with great mentors on the Cape, and. Uh, so uh, my husband and I have an apartment in New York. This all is going to make some sense in a second. It'll come um, together. <laughs> it'll come together. Um, and, you know, we had this idea that we were going to, um, you know, target moving back to the Cape full time, but we were going to do half and half. And then, you know, the plague, COVID just pushed us and we came, but it was COVID. So I came and I've been here for a few years, but I haven't you know, really done any performing because I was, you know, I was pretty hiding out with the bunnies during right. COVID um, uh, in my, in my house. So, so this is particularly special for me because, um, you know, I, I did spend the COVID time sort of in private and doing other, you know, creative stuff, some writing and everything, but this is the first performing I've done since I've moved back to the Cape. So that's a particularly special thing about this little show. Um that 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 really pleases me because I feel I've I've come back home and I'm I'm coming into a, a new community that I know something about because the one of the benefits of social media because there are so many ah yikes but one of the benefits is that you can get to know people you know before you're actually holding their hand or having some tea or giving them a hug so that's special um and it's an interesting show because you know um you know, we have that whole, I'm always very interested in sort of deconstructing genres, you know? Um, and, uh, and I know you as a writer go, go back and forth with, with different genres too. And, and I love your writing, by the way, as you know, um, and this show is kind of like, that's my dog. Sorry. Um, this show is kind of like a hybrid. I would say it's not cabaret, but it's about an hour and five, an hour and 10. So it's a little gem of a show. It's not a full evening. Um, so I, I would call it a solo show, but it's not like an hour and a half. I'm gonna tell you, it's not 
my autobiography on stage. So I, it's, it's interesting that way. And, um, I don't want to give away too much about the show, but I think, you know, people can have whatever associations they want when they hear the title, the couch, <laughs> it could mean a lot of things. Um, but I love, I love this form because it's kind of like, if I think about it in terms of the analogy to writing, it's sort of like writing a novel is one craft and one skill and one, you know, expanse of one's imagination. Writing an essay is another craft and form, you know, writing flash fiction, which if your listeners don't know flash fiction, just in a really simplistic way, it's kind of like a short story, like on one page. So I, I really love that idea. And so this is a little gem of a show that really takes you on quite a ride um, through sort of all the emotions and potential experiences that people might have in their life. You know, it's that kind of show. It's not, you know, it's not jokes and fluff. <laughs> That's definitely not this show. Yeah. I wouldn't expect jokes and fluff from you somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that right. doesn't really align for me. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And we want, we'll, we'll let people form their own opinions of the title. I won't ask any more about that. I do want to mention that it's directed by Nina Schusler, who's been on this show many times, mm -hmm. um, a, a, a good friend of WOMR's. And what's it been like working with Nina? Well, Nina's my friend. And I, I, I have to say, though, she's, you know, she's a, she's a person who has directed mostly plays, you know, she's not, you know, like, like, in, she's not in that cabaret world, but wow. First of all, she's an incredible coach. I mean, the stuff that she gets, gets from you and from your most inner place as an actor. And some of the time we've rehearsed up in my bedroom, in my house for this show, I have a huge bedroom. Um, and the stuff that she's able to get from you as an actor, I'll say from me, is just, she's an extraordinary coach. She's also a very, very deep active listener, which which if, if any actors are listening to this show, you will really appreciate that because directors, sorry guys, directors can be a little micromanagey and a little, you know, on top of you, particularly when you're doing a solo show, because, you know, you're it. And so they're, you know, it's, it's easy to get into that kind of, I'm getting close up with you in this, but, you know, she is a deep active listener and she is close up, but she's allowing the space to notice what you're doing and what I'm doing or what I'm thinking. And then she will have she has brilliant wonderful creative ideas i mean she comes up with the greatest ideas as well as being a wonderful coach and knowing how to stage it and um and she's supportive and and helps you um sort of uh ride your wave of confidence you know because when it's all on you it's also a different kind of dynamic in terms of you know how's it all going to pan out? And so she's just a dream director, really. She's really wonderful. It's been just a pleasure, absolute pleasure. I would love for you to talk just a little bit about the difference between doing a solo show and um, acting with other people, which I think um, is really an, it's an interesting dynamic when you're on stage with someone else, because there's a back and forth of energy as well as of dialogue. But when you're doing a solo, it's all on you. 
and it's all on you to to keep that level up at that level of interest for the the audience so why don't you talk a little bit about that because I think that's really interesting yeah it is really interesting um and I, I I mean first I think the thing is that people who who I mean there are a lot of different things that can drive us as actors singers dancers performers jugglers storytellers whoever we are to do solo shows sometimes it's storytelling sometimes it's a tribute show you know you want to do Sondheim you want to honor that composer or that that lyricist or that writer right um and sometimes it's thematic you know you have a theme you're you're interested in in getting on the stage and just going for love and relationships um whatever it is trauma it could be anything so there's that so there's that there's there's the thing about you have a motivation in you or something you want to say you know that you want to express in your own unique way. Like, of course, we can explore all those things by, by you know, uh, being uh, in our town, Death of a Salesman, uh, Glass Menagerie. We, we, will, we will explore all, you know, all those kinds of themes there too. But I, at first, it's, I think the first thing about it is it starts inside us and we have some kind of a spark or a, I don't know, a desire or a calling to bring something forward to people. Um, the difference I think about, well, first of all, the difference of the process in the process is that it's me, Nina, and Jonathan Goldberg, who's the music director, who's also phenomenal. He's just a, he's a great guy, great collaborator, and a brilliant arranger. And so you form this tiny triad, I guess, of um putting your heads together to 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 you know first you're getting in sync which which a cast is doing too in a play but i would say this is a little bit more intense and it's kind of coming off you know those guys are coming off my idea and the thing that i want to do and then whether i'm going to let them or not and i do <laughs> i'm going <laughs> to i do i you know i'm i'm good with feedback i'm good with change it's all good um and then if I'm going to let them, I'm going to let them into my thing and and hope that they get it or hope that they have their own thing with it. And then we start like clay to build that thing into what it ends up being. And, and that's also different from there's an existing script for the Glass Menagerie. There's an existing script for the new play of Racine Oxtoby, you know, et cetera. Um, so this is not existing. There is no script. We kind of we kind of put a script, quote unquote, together to text the, some of the narrative. It's not just songs. Right. But so there's that we we collaborate on kind of cooking up this soup that we're going to serve, you know, Um and then I think um, another part of it, like the difference you said between sort of being on stage and, and working with other actors and the dynamic and, and being on your own. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't have a buffer. <laughs> I don't have a buffer in this thing. <laughs> so, so that's okay. Um, uh, it sinks or sails with you. <laughs> it, it for sales with me and like I've done I've done so many of these not quite like this show I'm actually quite um interested that's kind of funny all three of us are kind of interested in this particular show because it's we keep going wow like what is this show <laughs> um it's 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 kind of different but um I you know I love I love connecting with people and when I get in front of an audience whether 20 people show up or 100 or 50 
I'm all good with it. And I really want to share. And so for me, um, it feels like a direct highway, a direct side road to, to connecting with the people in the audience. And, and, and I get to do that with Jonathan, we're on stage together doing that. And Nina's inside my spirit, um, sitting and watching and going, Ooh. um, uh, when, when you're working with other people, you know, the world is there for you to step into and you're, you become the, a part of a community of, of expression and experience and, um, and whatever's happening and for sure, surprises happen in a solo show, and I'm sure they will. Um, that several times that we do this show, surprises will happen. Um, but it's a different kind of thing. You know, you have that beautiful thing of having those relationships and being part of their experience and um, traveling. It, it's like taking a trip with a bunch of other people and all the things that happen. And, and you know, if they get hurt, you help them. And if you get hurt, they help you. And if you have joy, they can be part of that. And in this, and in this, I'm generating that myself. And I would say in this particular show too, there is no real fourth wall in the show. And so, I mean, I don't ask anybody to get up on stage, obviously, but, um, <laughs> um, but you know, we we create that kind of thing in a different way. You know, when we're on our own. Yeah. Yeah. I want to remind people that we're talking about The Couch with Susan Lambert. It is on uh, October, November 4th. October 4th is long gone. It's on November 4th. At what time at Prez Hall, Susan? It's five o'clock and it's about an hour and five, hour and 10. And then we're doing it again in Boston on November 11th at six um, as well. And we're doing it in um, at Cape Cod Theater Company in January too. Yeah. So try to catch it at Wilfleet Press Hall, but if you yeah, can't, there yeah. are other opportunities. Yeah, so and I love, yeah. Mm, we just ahead. have a few minutes left, but I did want to ask you, um, and people might not know this, but you have another hat that you wear, um, which is that you're a therapist. Yeah. And I'm wondering how that informs the creative work. And, and I'm not saying that being a therapist is not creative, but but traditionally creative, how, how the two interact, I guess, is what I'm asking. Well, you'll learn a little bit about that when you come um, to the show. Make sure you come. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my first career was as an actress and a singer. And so being a psychotherapist is my second career. Um, and you're right. You're very right. It's really smart and insightful. It, it's, you know, at least the way that I, I work in the therapeutic world, it, it's, all, it's a lot about being creative. It's a different kind of creative. Um, however, it's not that different. It's a different context. It's different. I don't know. The voice, the voice of it is different. The context is different. Um, it's private. Whereas what I do as an actor and a singer is public. Um, and what I do as an actor and a singer is self-expression. And when I'm working with people as a therapist, it's a hundred percent on their behalf. It's not about me, although it affects me it affects me deeply and, and I hold those experiences inside me and it changes my life to do this kind of work. So it is life-changing kind of work. And I mean it in the sense of life-changing, like any work, any meaningful work that we do um, is affecting us and, and changing our life experience day to day. Um, so I would say it's different in that sense that um, 
um, you know, one is kind of more about my self-expression. The other is about the other person. One inform, everything informs each. I would say that um, doing meaningful work with people and, and, and really the bravery and the courage to say, I might want to really work on this or unpack this, or I'm not happy or I'm struggling and I'm going to ask somebody to help me. I find that so brave, you know, Mm -hmm. so brave. And, um, so part of what really informs my work creatively is just having that privilege to be working with people so much who just take that chance and really ask themselves the deep and hard questions and, and allow themselves to be helped or who admit quote unquote things maybe they haven't admitted before or who are willing to explore new things they never considered. Really, um, that really informs my work as an artist. And my work as an artist, I think, informs the therapy because, you know, I'm willing to be flexible and creative. Like I don't have a formula you know, I don't have a particular thing that I have to do with people. I really like to go where they're at and try to be as creative as possible. Um, So I think they both inform each other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Susan Lambert, I wish we could talk longer, but thank you so much um, for being on Arts Week. We'll have you back. And in the meantime, November 4th, one show only on the Cape right now, um, Susan Lambert in the couch. Thanks so much for being on Arts Week. Oh my gosh, Jeanette, thank you so much for asking me. It was a pleasure and we'll see each other again. Absolutely. Well, I can't leave a Halloween show without recommending some spooky reading this week. You might not know, but some very serious writers have created some of the most bone chilling short stories you will ever experience. I'm just going to touch on a few of my favorites here. Many of them are online. You can look them up right now and read them. They will really put you in the mood. So let's start with Robert Louis Stevenson's The Body Snatchers. These characters were based on criminals in the employ of real-life surgeon Robert Knox around the time of the notorious Burke and Hare murders. It's really creepy. In The Telltale Heart, Edgar Allan Poe has an unreliable narrator trying to sound reliable while describing a murder that the narrator committed. The title of M.R. James's short story, A Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad, is taken from a Robert Burns poem. In the story, a young, scientifically-minded college professor finds an old bronze whistle while exploring the ruins of a Knights Templar's preceptory. That night, he blows on the whistle and a vision comes to him of a dark expanse with a lonely figure in its midst. More strange incidents follow to shake his disbelief in the supernatural. One of my favorite short stories is W.W. Jacobs' The Monkey's Paw, in which Mr. and Mrs. White, an average couple with a grown son named Herbert, are visited by an old friend who'd been a sergeant in India. While there, he acquired a magical talisman in the form of a mummified monkey's paw, said to grant three wishes to whoever possesses it, but every wish comes with hellish consequences. Shirley Jackson's The Lottery describes a fictional small American community which observes an annual tradition known as the lottery, intended to ensure a good harvest and purge the town of bad omens. You know that can't end well, and of course it doesn't, but 
I'm not giving any more of that away. Go read it. The famous Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving takes place in a haunted glen known as Sleepy Hollow and follows a Connecticut schoolmaster named Ichabod Crane who wants to marry Katrina Van Tassel for her family's money. When his proposal plans fail, Ichabod rides his horse named Gunpowder through the haunted woods where he meets, of course, a troubling end. In classic Edgar Allan Poe fashion, the black cat is told from an unreliable first-person narrator. The narrator is a condemned man explaining the events that led up to his imprisonment, including his encounters with a black cat that seems to have a supernatural hold on his actions. With mysterious fires, hangings, a stalking cat, an axe murderer, and witch-like behavior, this particular short story is sure to make you tremble. Many readers interpret Charlotte Perkins Gilman's The Yellow Wallpaper as a biting critique of the male-dominated medical institution of the time, making it an important icon in American feminism. The story is a collection of diary entries from a woman experiencing, quote-unquote, the rest cure treatment for her mental well-being, in which she is forbidden from working or writing. The narrator begins to hallucinate women hiding behind the yellow wallpaper of her bedroom and her mind unravels from there. And finally, H.P. Lovecraft's The Rats in the Wall begins following the death of his only son in World War I. When Delapore moves into Exham Priory, his ancestral estate filled with moss, bats, and cobwebs. Nearby residents hate the idea of restoring the estate and circulate disturbing stories about Delapore's family being responsible for the mysterious disappearance of villagers throughout the years. As the narrator settles into his new home, he uncovers some frightening family secrets, including a hidden underground cellar, cannibalism, and lots and lots of scurrying rats in the walls. Oh, and I have one more. A more modern short story is Jade Blood by Silvia Moreno-Garcia, the acclaimed author of Gods of Jade and Shadow and her recent horror novel, Mexican Gothic. In Jade Blood, we meet a bored nun living in an isolated convent who discovers a water hole that had once been a sacred Mayan scene where people tossed weapons, jewelry, and people to honor the gods. The discovery seems to bring the nun to life, but the ancient powers of the waterhole soon turn sinister. And there you have it. You can find many, if not most, of these short stories online. So why not read a couple this weekend and really get into the spirit, no pun intended, of the holiday. Thanks for listening and there's a lot happening on the Cape, so go out and enjoy. Until next time, I'm Jeanette de Beauvoir. And this has been Arts Week on WOMR. Au fait, j'ai voulu te te téléphoner pour te te demander allô quelque chose quoi quelque chose quoi Bye 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 bye.